Coming to you from the Ultra Staff Studios in Chicago, welcome to the Staffing Buzz Network with your host, Bob Petke. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Staffing Buzz Network. I am Bob Petke, Chief Sales Officer here for Ultra Staff Edge. We're a full service front office, back office, uh, ATM, I'm sorry, ATS CRM solution. Uh, for staffing companies just like just like yours, and uh, you know our staffing buzz network, we've been doing this for a little bit, getting a lot of good feedback. Keep that coming in. Uh, you know we're we're doing this uh, in an effort to share very uh, viable, uh, very meaningful content. And uh, part of the staffing network, part of what we do is we try to get industry experts on, and we've been successful at doing that. And so I do want to introduce our first or our only guest for today. Uh, today's guest is Dan Mori. Dan should be popped in here. Great. So some of you might know Dan um, from his Staffing Mastery, uh, where he, uh, with, uh, with, with Staffing Mastery, he coaches and mentors uh, sales staffing professionals. You might also recognize Dan if you attended uh, one of his keynote talks, uh, he's done staffing workshops. Uh, Dan's also the managing partner for the National Independent uh, Staffing Association, also known as the NISA. Dan Mori, welcome to the Staffing Buzz Network. Bob, great to be here, man. Great to reconnect. And uh, I am excited to just, just talk staffing shop with you. No, hey, and, and you know, just to kind of get into that, uh, you know, before I came to Ultra Staff Edge, you and I worked together when I was still in a at another organization in a sales leadership role. Yeah. And so, you know, so I got to know the value that you bring to the table and, and, and it was just a really a tremendous partnership. Um, but I'm going to just dive right into this here and just ask you, you know, as somebody who is in, you know, one of the many hats that you wear is you've been the sales coach and this mentor, uh, for folks that are, you know, driving new business, um, right out of the gate, Dan, what are some of the challenges and struggles you're finding? Not necessarily with sales as a whole, but with individuals. What are some of the hurdles or obstacles that some of those folks that are doing this, um, trying to grow business, what are they facing? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, and I like the fact that you actually want to push it right down to the producer level versus just high overview. Cause everyone knows staffing sales is really tough right now. Um, but down to the producer level, the biggest challenges that they're facing, Bob, and this is something that can and should be corrected. This is something that any agency can actually solve, but it's not knowing what their unique value proposition actually is and how the organization they sell for backs it up. Right. Okay. Uh, a lot of people look at the staffing industry, and if you're in it, you tend to think that we're, we're we've been commoditized, right? You think about, you know, there's not a ton of brand loyalty, you know, when we're actually in selling situations, we're oftentimes having to to be compared or compete against somebody else, right? And a lot of times, what happens in that situation is the salesperson is left to compete on price, you know. We get that objection, and I'm sure you've seen it. You've been around the game a long enough time to know sure. that the buyer will say, "Hey." If you can beat or match my current price, I will give you a shot. And what that says is that the potential buyer is only seeing 
price is the value, not the actual deliverable. And unless that salesperson has a rock solid understanding of what that unique value proposition really is, meaning the value that they actually provide to a customer with the data and the messaging to back it up, they're kind of stuck. And that's really the biggest challenge that, that most salespeople have, are facing right now, especially. So, you know, ironically, you say that in, in, in when I had spent this time and, and I was driving sales and, and leading a team, you know, one of the questions I would also uh, often have my team ask uh, their prospects was, was, you know, rank for me th- from most to least important. Is it going to be the quality of the person that you get? Is it going to be the quantity of the people that come or is it going to be the price? So those first two, you know, uh, maybe a r- little bit more reflective on uh, on value. Um, but what are some of the things, what are some of the questions, what are, you know, you talk about having a good value proposition, but let's, let's take a step back from that from a second. How does somebody from the very beginning, from the very beginning, from cold calling to maybe even landing that first discovery, how do they position themselves? Because it is a change of thought and mindset. Uh, how do they, how do they begin that process? Where does it start? So it starts further back than just picking up the phone. It, one, it starts with the leadership of the staffing organization that they report to, right? Like the leader of the organization is directly responsible for making sure that everyone in the organization clearly understands the the target profile, the clients they serve, and the biggest challenges that those clients face as it relates to staffing and exactly how that their agency's solution solve those challenges and better positions their clients for, for their success as they define it, right? So that's that's where it actually starts is having that concrete understanding and accountability to the value they provide. Then what has to happen is the salesperson has to really understand it not just at a, a comprehensive level of like, yeah, I can read words on a page, but truly believe the value that they're providing and have experienced it either through their own client relationships or maybe through the, the history of the organization that can actually share testimonials and things like that and say, hey, this is how we're actually helping. And they got to make it real and tangible and show that when the staffing agency puts people on assignment at a location, that it boosts the productivity and the, the product and the output and the performance and all of those things at their client location. And that generates tangible revenue and benefit that that company is in business to achieve. So like it, it starts with that level of understanding and mindset that that's what they're selling is they're sending, they're selling the desired output or the desired result that the company they're working with or look, attempting to work with is looking for. They're not just selling staffing services because if you go into it with that mindset, you're going to head right into the commodity zone. No, I get it. So I, I asked this question before when I was telling you one of the recommend recommended uh, questions I have my team ask is, you know, what's most to least important? And I named the three things. So we're going to do a role play, but it's going to be me and me. So oh, I'm going okay. to play both. Yeah, but it'll take us just a matter of seconds. So, and I want you to be the observer and I want to get your feedback on what you would do in this particular situation. Right. I, you know, I'm having a meeting with somebody, a prospect, you know, trying to earn some business and, and out of the gate, the conversation uh, lends itself where I can ask the question, you know, Bob, what is most to least important when you're partnering with a company like ours? Is it quality? Is it quantity? Is it price? 
Now, when that person is honest enough to really say, well, Bob, it's price, what, how would you react to that? Sure. So let me preface this because every agency is going to have a different go-to-market strategy and a different business model. And there are some agencies out there that their focus is being the low cost provider. Like that's their market strategy. There's other agencies that want to be the premium value supplier, and they will literally not even work with companies that prioritize price over quality because that will tarnish their brand. And then really there's like the 80% in the middle that just kind of straddle and they, they don't really know how to sell either way and they get defaulted into the price one. So for this sake of argument, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you two answers, double bonus. I'm going to answer it if I'm in the 10% that really understands the value of what they sell and they sell based on it. And then I'm going to tell you what I would say if I'm in the other end, that other 10%, right? And give direction there. So first and foremost, if I'm with an agency that prioritizes value over price, I'm going to ask again, I'm going to say, hey, you could have picked any of those three things or ordered them anyway. Why is price the most important thing to you, Bob? Okay. And I want to understand why they're why they're saying that, you know, and if, if they're like, listen, you know, we're in a low commodity business. We're putting widgets in a box. We don't have big margins. So we really just need to figure out the cheapest way to do this. If I'm in that value piece, I'm going to say, you know, I don't help my clients figure out the least expensive way to, to do their work product or to produce their product or service. I help my clients find the right people that can actually produce their product or service at a higher quality and more efficiently. So they will actually realize cost savings elsewhere within the operation that far outweigh my expense different from my cheaper alternative competitors, right? If you'd be interested in having that conversation and understanding how paying more for a premium service like mine is going to help you realize those cost savings in other areas of the organization. I'd like to have that. However, if you only buy based on price, if that's the only thing that really matters to you and quality uh, and product and output isn't as important, we're probably not the right fit for each other. And that's okay. And that's really where I would leave it to them to, to want to explore it. And this is a technique where you're educating about your value proposition. You're giving them a little bit of peer uh, social proof saying, hey, I help these other companies realize this and realize these cost savings that they might be also interested in going after, right? But then you're also doing the takeaway. You're saying, hey, but if it's not for you, it's okay, right? And sometimes that's a psychological motivator to get people to be like, you know, maybe I do want to explore this. So if I'm in that upper echelon of like premium value providers, I'm going to answer it that way. Now let's let's switch hats. Let's pretend that like my, my go-to-market strategy is to be the low cost supplier of the market. If that's the answer, I'm going to say, that's perfect because we've built our entire organization to do exactly that. Like we're super efficient. We're super streamlined. We don't have a lot of the bells and whistles and the other cost additives that increase the price of staffing service. We're incredibly lean because our product that we deliver is based on price. We will give you the lowest cost staffing solution in the market. That's how we're built. If that's your top priority, we're probably the perfect fit and you shouldn't look elsewhere because there can only be one of us that's the lowest in the market and that's us. So if you look at anybody else, they're only going to be more expensive. Okay. Right. And so, in either scenario, just to put a bow on it, I know my value proposition. I know who I am. I know what role I play in the marketplace and I know how to communicate that to the prospect. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, I know that you're a big proponent of selling on the value and probably the big bulk of the folks that you work with, you know, that that's that's the lesson to be learned. That's the obstacle to overcome. And, uh, you know, 
on the flip side, if, if you're going to be somebody, and, and let's face it, their staffing organizations come in all shapes and sizes, and some, to your point, are efficient and can offer something at uh, you know a lower uh, price point. But at that point, uh, what is it that you're really selling from a value standpoint? Or are you just not even selling value at all? Well, the value. So th there is a value in a lower price point, right? Like there's not there's no knock. If, like whoever is a low price provider, that's not a good or a bad thing. That's just that's their strategy. That's the value they provide to the marketplace. Right. So the value that you're actually typically going to provide to that client that prioritizes price over all else is a lower price. And when you're in the commodity game, that's where buyers buy. They like they just think if they can get this, if two agencies are the exact same and one is a lower price, that's the more valuable option, right? Because they're anchoring it to price. So right. there's nothing. I don't personally agree with that. So that's not my preferred business model, but there's nothing wrong with it, right? Just because I don't necessarily align with it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. So that's the value that you're selling. But in addition to it, if you're a super streamlined agency, you might be able to provide quicker and more broad access to talent, right? Because all of the cost additives tend to be when you're doing more screening or more hands-on, more QC in the process, and which is what delivers a higher quality candidate, right? But that also adds cost, just like any product or service. The more QC, higher quality of your product, more expensive it's typically going to be, and, and staffing is no different. Okay. So we're going to continue down this road, and, and we're really going to zero in now on the organization's where, uh, and it probably is the lion's share, uh, where they want to sell on value, right? They, they, they believe that they have good systems in place, processes in place, uh, and, and they believe, I don't want to say that, you know, they charge a premium for it. Um, you could look at it that way, but they charge, you know, a fair market value for what they bring to the table. It could be the talent that they have in the office, uh, the tenure, uh, it could just be the way that they go about, you know, recruiting and the marketing dollars that they spend. In a world where you maybe were working with somebody and, and you've given them their your value proposition, right? And, and and they're they're on board. They're like, you know, Dan, this is great. You know, everything seems to be pretty good. And and you start to get to that point at the end where you know you propose to them, and uh, now you're at that point after this, you know, long battle right? Doing everything right along the way to get you to that point. And, and now they want to play, uh, you know, can you give me a discount? What have you seen or what's worked for you uh, or people that you've worked with to navigate through that and come out on the other side with a win? Sure. So there's a couple techniques that you can use here. And the nice thing about uh, the first one I'm going to share is you can actually use it in tandem where some techniques you kind of got one shot, Right. But the first thing to know, and this is a super advanced technique, this one is really, really difficult for most salespeople to actually use. However, if you actually commit to doing your work and actually practicing this technique and, and learning it and deploying it correctly, it will actually give you deals with better margins. Um, and it's saying no. Very hard for salespeople to do. But if someone says they get you down all the way to the end and they kind of strung you along and you feel like the deal is eminent and they're like, hey, this all sounds good. Can you give me a discount? No. And here's why this works. One, if you're really true and you're authentic, which you should be, if you are 
you know, selling a good product or service and you actually appreciate respect and value your clients, you should never lie to them. Like just be authentic and genuine, which means if you're selling based on value, you're telling them what the reasonable price is. So if you just say, yeah, I can give you a discount at the end, that means you were overcharging them throughout your entire process. And I think that's just cringy, right? Just don't do that. Don't be that salesperson who gives us all a bad name. Uh, the other side of it, some people will literally ask the question for two reasons that have nothing to do with actually needing to get the discount, right? One is some people just like to negotiate. They like to feel like they win. They like to feel like, hey, I'm getting the best deal possible, right? And I'm going to ask you, can you do a little bit better, right? Because that's their way of negotiating with you. And if you just draw a firm line and say, no, I can't, like I've already shared all the value that we're going to provide to you. If, if what we can do for you at the price that we can do it isn't meaningful enough or isn't valuable enough to, to help your company out, maybe we shouldn't work together and that's okay. And that's standing on your value, right? The second reason that people might ask for a discount is because they don't want to be sold, right? A lot of people have been taken advantage in their lives. They've, they've overpaid for a car. They've overpaid for a house. They've overpaid for some widget gadget at a store that they don't feel good about. Nobody wants to be sold because they feel foolish, right? No one wants that. So sometimes they'll just ask like, can I get a little bit of a better price? And all they're doing is just checking you to make sure that they're already getting the best price possible. And if you've been fair and authentic and genuine through the entire process and you say, you know what? No, unfortunately, this is, this is the price. This is reasonable pricing for the value we're going to give to you. That gives them affirmation. And they're actually looking for a no in that moment where most people don't realize it. They just want to be affirmed that they're getting the best price possible but if you give them a discount in that moment, if you cave, it completely will derail the deal because they will feel like you've been disingenuine and not authentic through the entire process. And they'll be like, oh, you know, like they, they'll feel a little bit off and it could actually blow the entire deal up. So I would say learn how to say no first and foremost. The second piece technique is go back to value. If someone says, hey, can I get a discount? You can just simply ask hey, I, I appreciate that you're asking me for a discount. I've been pretty fair and reasonable and transparent through this. If at this point you feel that the service that I've shared with you and how we're going to deliver it to help you solve these challenges, is there something that I said or didn't say that's making you feel like it's not worth the price that I've presented, right? And get them to go back and anchor what they're asking for against the value that you provide, right? That's the safest way to actually sell based on value is to get your pricing to be aligned and anchored to the value that you've been selling them. So just ask them like, why are you asking me for a discount? Is it, do you just not see the value in what I'm going to be doing, you know, and see where they're anchoring their, their value to ask for a discount. Um, either way, you're going to be much better off actually negotiating that. And you're more likely to not have to cave to a discount using those two things. Yeah. And then again, that puts somebody in a position going to get salespeople, people driving sales, you know, their life and their livelihood often depends on, you know, what's the next piece of business that they bring in. It puts them, and I've seen it, I've lived it. I think you have too, uh, where we're in a position where we've got to play some hardball, right? I mean, we've got to put it all on the line. Uh, you know, want to hold them, fold them, walk away and run. You know, we have to lay our cards on the table and, uh, and, and, some would say you're, you risk losing that business after all this time invested. What are your thoughts on that? And as, as somebody who's managing people like that, how, how do you how would you manage coach and mentor folks that are in the middle of that right now? Sure. First things first, you can't lose something that you don't have. 
right? If you haven't acquired the business and they've not actually spent money with you, you don't have them and there's nothing to, to lose. Yeah, you might not capitalize on an opportunity, which can upset a manager. But if I'm the manager in that, that moment right there and I see a salesperson and they're standing on the value, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm going to celebrate that. I'm going to high five them. And here's why. We're very, very specific. We clearly define what good business is and what it is not. If they're in that moment and they've actually basically qualified this prospect as being good business and they've presented a price point that would also further validate it as good business that fits in the box and they close it, awesome. But if they get to the point and the prospect is like, no, we're not going to pay this, we're going to pay lower. And now it takes them out of what we define as good business and the salesperson won't let them go there to the point where they'll even walk away. That means the salesperson is doing their job by not allowing bad business to come into the organization, right? And that is just as valuable sometimes, even though it ends up in zero dollars. It's like it's like if you ever watch sports and you hear the commentator say, hey, these are those plays that aren't going to show up in the stat sheet, right? That's not going to show up on the balance sheet or the profit loss statement or the gross margin report, like the clients that you turn away. That being said, we live in a market where there are not enough people to fill all of the open jobs available. There is greater demand for our services than there is supply of talent, which means we need to be selective, right? If you have one A player to send out to a client, you need to be sending it out to the client that values that person and is going to pay for that person the most versus the person that's going to value and pay for them the least. Not only for your better margins and better commissions as salespeople, but just for the better well-being of that, of that person. Because the company that actually believes in talent and they're willing to invest in good staffing solutions that, that provide quality are more likely to provide a quality work environment for the person you're placing there, right? And then the last piece, and this is what I always say, salespeople, your biggest obligation is to get good clients and orders for your recruiters. Like that's your primary goal. So if you bring in bad business, you're going to bring in bad orders and the recruiters are going to have to work on those, right? And that's not going to do you any favors, right? So just like just triage the business right there and stand pat on value, sell based on value. If I do see a salesperson struggling with that, I'm just going to reinforce how to resell. I'm going to look at the opportunities and say, hey, how do we get a little bit better at selling based on value? What's the messaging that we can be improving throughout the process to maybe increase the close percentage? But my metric is not about how many clients you get. It's how many good clients do you actually bring into our organization that match our good client criteria? Right. And you hit on something. You bring something that's potentially uh, bad business, maybe a bad partner. Uh, you know, I always wonder, you know, is it the right job? Is it the right pay? Is it the right location? Is it the right skill set? And is it going to be the right profitability, right? And right. Um, if, if you don't check off all those boxes, and you know what those are as you're going into it, uh, you bring in bad business for, you know, to your team, and, and there's a ripple effect uh, on that. And it's, it's a negative one. In that, uh, you know, they might spend any time they spend trying to fill something that doesn't meet that criteria. These are the criteria here, Dan, just in case you're wondering. Um, I was about to high five the screen. I was like, this guy's there it is. All right. Uh, <laughs> anytime they, they, they spend doing that and they're not able to maybe fill those positions and they're sitting on business that they could fill all day. You know, but now they've got this new business and they're going to try to give it, you know, everything they've got to fill it. Yeah. You know, Everything suffers. Uh, yeah. Not only that, but morality, right? The yeah. you know people are like, why the heck is this guy or gal bringing me this type of business? This this is not in our sweet spot for one of those at least five reasons. Um, so I think that's an excellent point. 
you know what I what I like um, is when you know one of my sales folks goes head to head with somebody who maybe hasn't been performing. So you're going in. There's an incumbent staffing company, and uh, you know you might get to the finish line where you've done a great value proposition. You know you've really talked about the things that make your organization special. And at that very point in time, they're like, well, ABC staffing, and I don't know if there's a real ABC staffing out there. Um, <laughs> I hope not. I always use that I example. I hope not either. Let the record show that I'm just making that up on the fly. Um, ABC staffing is, uh, you know, four points lower. So, you know, what what would be a, because I see that all the time. What would be sure. something that you would bring to the table on that? So then what I would actually suggest is I would look at them. And again, you have to, you have to, pressure test to see, are they commoditizing you, right? Because if they're commoditizing you, then they're going to make all their value based on the lower price. And you need to know that as a salesperson. So you need to know how to adjust against it. So the first thing I'm going to ask is, out of curiosity, when you look at us and you look at ABC staffing, does it really seem like you're going to get the same quality and the same level of service from both agencies? Sure. Because if so, you should definitely go with them because it's four points lower. You know, like, yeah. and I want to see where they're at because a lot of times what you'll hear is you'll hear, well, no, like I, I like what you're saying better and I, I would rather work with you. I like your level of service, but my boss isn't going to sign off on me, you know, going with someone that's four points higher, right? And if you hear that, now you know that you're not in the commodity game. Now you know that you've got a chance to sell based on value, which is where I'll take it because this is where I'm more aligned. I'm going to say, hey, let's take a look at this. Like what is really the difference of four points? I will tell you that if you're talking about going from like, 55% markup to 51% markup, or even 45 to 41% markup. It might seem big in that context, but when you actually apply it to spend, it's not as much as you think. And I'll literally show them what 4% of whatever their payroll you know, per hour is. And we're like, okay, we might be talking about 40 cents an hour. Like, So now let me ask you this. Would you pay 40 cents more per hour if you were going to get a better quality candidate that could actually have higher levels of production, that was more likely to get converted onto your payroll after 600 hours or whatever your conversion is, right? You know, and you basically sell based on the value of the problems that you uncovered in your discovery session, right? Or discovery portion of the meeting and say, would it be worth this tiny little amount more? And if they're like, well, gosh, when you say it that way, it would be like, I would pay 40 cents more an hour for a person that, you know, or 80 cents or whatever that number ends up being for a person that's going to be a better quality candidate coming from a more reputable agency, right? Sure. And now I've just sold it based on value. And that's how I would actually bridge that, that difference is, is based on the value that we provide and based on the sentiment that they, they feel about our agency. Yeah. No, in, as you're talking through it now, I'm, now I'm having flashbacks to that time, right? And, and, and I'll just share real quickly. By the time you get to that point where you're starting to talk about price, one of the things that, you know, I've seen my sales team do and we've done in the past because you've discovered the pain points that they're having with their current provider, you know, if there is a difference in the price, you know, you might say, well, is your current provider doing, uh, you know, are they doing reference checks? And they might say no. And then you will say, well, would you agree by us doing reference checks, we can get more sticky people that are going to be there and going to stay to say yes. And you go through a list of those things. And to your point, you know, you, you, you have a revelation and you could say, can you see how what we're doing uh, does not compare and contrast with what your current provider is? And for that reason, you know, there's value to it. So, yeah, you're going to see a little bit more money when it comes to how we do business. So, yeah, no, these are excellent points. And again, just kind of uh, 
little commentary and, and sharing at this point. So, um, yeah. And, and also going back to that piece about some people just don't want to be stole. They don't want to be taken advantage of. They put the value. I hate to say it, but a lot of clients have been burned by bad staffing agencies out there that haven't lived up to their promises. Right. So there's, there's a, there's a really high level of buyer reluctance, especially right now with some unease in the market and you're trying to figure out if we're going to have this soft recession landing, right. That everyone's hoping for. There's a lot of reluctance. So in that same scenario, if you've got the ability to do this within your agency, again, this goes back to business model and pricing strategy, you might be able to say, hey, I understand that you're probably worried about overpaying for a service if I send you people like your current agency or your past agency that might not work out. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. What if I could do this for you? What if I could match that rate, but then I just increase my transition fee? That way you pay me what I feel is reasonable for my service for everyone that you convert but you pay what you feel is reasonable for those people that you don't. No, I and then we sort of get what we each want. Like that's a nice way to compromise and still, and again, if you're good, which I will tell you this, the number one thing that makes sales a lot easier is having a great service that you can stand behind, right? If your agency is really, really good at doing its job and you've got the data and the testimonials to back it up, then you're going to be good offering that bet all day long, right? Because you're betting on yourself. And there's something to be said for a prospect when they see a salesperson that's willing to bet on themselves because now we're vested, right? Now we're now we're vested in this process knowing that there's actually kind of a multiplier or a step up in pricing value if we do our job really well, right? And that sort of alignment will actually help incentivize people to work with you sometimes. No, no doubt about it. Uh, change subject as we start to conclude here. Uh, but one of the things... I often talk about when I've worked with salespeople, I say, you know, there's a couple of things that they are, are the most challenging for a salesperson. One is listening and two is documentation. I then usually repeat myself because yeah, right. Sorry, what? Yeah, listening. And, uh, tell me what you've seen as far as a level of importance, because a lot of salespeople feel like, hey, I'm just so busy. I don't have time to put stuff into the ATS or, this, or the CRM in this particular case. Tell me, tell me what you've seen with that and, and, and stress the importance, maybe if you feel that way on documentation. So I believe documentation is everything uh, for a number of reasons. We're in a highly regulated industry that has compliance scrutiny. So even on the sales side, you know, there needs to be documentation, right? But I also believe in tracking metrics. You know, my upcoming session at the Staffing Industry Analyst Executive Forum here at the end of March in Las Vegas is all about the metrics that matter. Metrics are just the measurement of data and data is the deliverable of the documentation in your applicant tracking system, right? So your salespeople need to be doing this. They need to be tracking all of their activities, their calls, any touch they have, they have to be tracking it in there. And there has to be conversion data to see how many meetings are they actually scheduling? How many proposals are they sending out? How many contracts are coming back? How many orders are coming in? How many con contracts convert into billing clients? You know, what is the, the revenue or margin that comes off of all of these things? You need all of this sales performance data to build your sales plan, right? So documentation is really, really, really important. I'm a big, big believer in it. Um, that being said, I also understand that salespeople have a lot on their plate. They're running, they're in a lot of different places. They're not often sitting at the desk all the time unless they're truly inbound, right? They're, they're going in a million different directions. So it is the responsibility of the leadership to actually streamline the process of the salesperson to make sure that they're the most effective selling the service 
and then align the technology and the documentation tools to that process to make it as easy as possible. So if you have an ATS that you can click to dial out of, right, or it's integrated with a Zoom phone service or something like that, if they click to dial, it's going to log a call or maybe record. If they if it's integrated with Gmail or Outlook, it's going to basically automatically record the emails and bring it in. So it starts to automate some of that documentation for them. If it's got calendar booking links, it may actually automate the meetings and how many meetings were scheduled and, and where they were scheduled out of an email, or off of a call, whatever it might be. So you can actually get attribution data and actually proposals will automatically, hey, I create this here and I submit it out. It's going to recognize that, hey, a proposal was submitted and they can start tracking that. So you as a leader of the organization, like you have to find the technology and the tools that are going to make your salesperson's reporting very easy to do. And this is the same for the recruiters. Like, I don't want them to have to do extra work either, but you, like the tools are out there. Like if you're a leader, like just dedicate the time. I almost said, don't be lazy, but just dedicate the time and like, look at the tools that you need to make this easy for your salespeople and all of your producers to track all the data. And that will give you the information you need to properly plan your performance and your goals to achieve them. So, and a great, you know, great segue, because let's face it, that's, you know, ultra staff edge is right here over my shoulder. You know, that's, it. that's who we are. I mean, we have, you know, that integrated ATS CRM solution where uh, when used correctly and not hard to use, you know, we have all the metrics in place. By the time, you know, we've, we've developed a little bit of business under our belt, we're able to see how many cold calls does it take to get a meeting? How many meetings does it take to get a contract? And how many contracts does it take to get a new account? So when we take that sample size and we look at the metrics, we know uh, it's the closest thing to secret sauce or a recipe for success that we have is utilizing those um, those uh, metrics for sure. So again, if anybody's listening and they want to know more about it, you hit us up uh, here at uh, Ultra Staff Edge. We'll have it on our exit screen how you can find us. But Dan, in conclusion, uh, anything more that you want to add or share that's going on in your world right now? Bob, I would be remiss if I didn't promote the Staffing Sales Summit. Right now, we are heading into a season of uncertainty and really strong headwinds when it comes to selling staffing services. It's a really weird time, too. This is a different market. This is not the last time it was hard to sell. Right now, we have incredible demand, 10, 11 million unfilled jobs. We have incredibly low unemployment, sub 4%. So it is really, really hard to sell. There's never been a time where companies need our services more yet they're buying it less. There's, there's, there's greater buyer reluctance. And that's why I've created the Staffing Sales Summit with some great founding partners to bring a sales staffing only training workshop to the industry for two solid days. The industry's best lineup of sales trainer uh, coming to teach exactly how to sell in this marketplace. It's in Orlando at Margaritaville from February 20th to the 22nd. So I would highly recommend taking a look at that. Um, and I'll get you the links you can have on your page for this, but look at that and go get trained to be selling staffing services successfully in 2024. Yeah. And you're going to be at SIA two in Vegas at the end of March, right? Yes, sir. I will on the stage talking about the metrics that matter and why all that data we just talked about is so important and what you can do with it. Yeah, well, I'll see you there. Um, so I look forward to that. Dan, this was a good conversation. Went by really quick. Uh, I enjoyed having you here and I always enjoy having a good conversation with you. Um, so, Dan, thanks for being here. Thanks a lot, Bob. Have a great day. Okay. So there you have it. That's Dan Mori, and you know, really well known in the industry, and, and again has a good following. And 
and doing some really good things to help our staffing community. So uh, we're just glad to have him on board here today. And, uh, you know, with that said, you know, we're coming to another conclusion here of the Staffing Buzz Network. So, you know, I I'll ask you one more time and I'll, I'll ask this every time. Please make sure uh, that, you know, you if you haven't subscribed, subscribe. You can subscribe. Uh, you know, you can watch us on our YouTube. You can hit us up on all of our uh, all of your favorite podcast platforms. Um, you know, share this information with your friends. We're going to continue to bring valuable content like we saw today in, in, in the effort of trying to, you know, leave you a little bit better than you found us. And, uh, and like I said, you know, Ultra Staff Edge, it's, it's a leading uh, ATS CRM front office back office solution. To Dan's point, we've got a tremendous, robust CRM solution. And uh, I'd love to talk to you all about it. And, and, and give you a peek, give you a demo at it, because, you know, as somebody who was a former user of it, you know, I saw firsthand how it could change uh, the way you go to market uh, and then how it can hold uh, yourself and your team accountable uh, to metrics and activity. So uh, with that said, you'll find that information on our uh, outro screen. And um, until next time, uh, thanks again for joining us on the Staffing Buzz Network.